Dawn. And I'm Tracy. And we are Real Women. Good afternoon, Tracy. Hello, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Jolly good. We're going to do, um, it's just you and I this afternoon, and we're going to talk about anxiety and tips to be able to just get over those little anxious hurdles that we sometimes experience throughout one's day. Oh, yeah. So what we've got for you this session, folks, is tips to help you overcome anxiety, including surrendering to the fear, looking at routine and structure, verifying the truth about what's going on and asking yourself, what if it actually goes well? There's an interesting set of topics, isn't it? Well, you might be anxious by my next sentence. We've actually received our first official complaint. Oh, really? Yes, but it was Carl, my friend. So so your friend complained about you? Yes. No, about the podcast. Oh, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> but oh. I doubt, I doubt with it, it's fine. They've got a message saying... Uh, We've kept up with the podcast, listened to the sex during menopause one. I'm none the wiser about menopause or the sex. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know whether he was anxious. So I returned the messaging and returned the message by saying, uh, uh, prioritise her emotions and perform well. (laughs) (laughs) And he just went, right. And that was it. So I don't know whether there's any further anxiety. I don't know. I do know that we have for the last three months been in the top 200 rankings in Kazakhstan and Vietnam in the relationship category. And every so often we're popping our head above the 200 in Great Britain for the relationship category as well. So we're saying something right about relationships and sex, Dawn. There we go. Well, I've put him straight. He had a personal message from from me with some very clear instruction. <laughs> and hopefully that's fine. Yeah. Right, so, so back okay. to today. What is your relationship with anxiety, Tracy? It, my relationship with anxiety used to be really bad. I mean, over the last, I don't know, five to seven, maybe ten years, I've sort of done a lot of work on my mindset um and now i i have lots of tools in my kit bag to help me with anxiety i still get anxious i mean we had an episode not so long ago about the magic roundabout because i felt a bit discombobulated i love that word i don't know what it means but i love it um so yeah i i believe everybody gets anxious at some point and it's how we manage that anxiety and the tools we have in our kit bag that help us with how bad or not that is going to be for us Uh, and yes some people have some medical conditions that make it worse we can't cover those in this subject we're not medically qualified to do so but yeah I I believe everybody at some point will hit little periods of anxiety so I have um you know when we've talked before about things like imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. uh, I my whole soul rejects any it's almost like I define it, I, I, I repel, I reject, you know, I'll get a cross out and, you know, rebuke in the name of Jesus if I have to, you know, <laughs> anything like that. I And I've done some work on this recently, actually, and, and 
some thoughts at at my relationship with anything remotely uh, to do with being a victim or anxiety or or, or lack of self-worth and things like that, where I've got to pull myself is consciously I act as though I see it as a weakness and won't have that. On, on delving a little bit further and having a chat with myself, actually, I actually don't think it's a weakness, but I can see how it might look like I feel like it's a weakness. But there's definitely something in me from a psychology perspective that doesn't want those things to impact me and my decision making and 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 I've no idea why or when it's been a long time I, I I just don't necessarily have a huge relationship with it I think the last time I can say that I truly where I actually did use the word anxious I've been in survival mode through lockdown for all of that time took on an awful lot of responsibility and when we came out of it I felt anxiety at the very thought of even having an hour away from my desk. It's like, oh, is the world going to stop if I'm not working? You know, that's anxious, isn't it? It, it is, is. That's anxiety, yeah. It's exactly it. But I can't tell you prior to that, the last time I was genuinely anxious. And on recognising that I wasn't right, it, this isn't right, this is anxiety, this isn't good, um, I did something about it, and it took some time. Uh, but 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 on a daily basis, I don't have much of a. I don't get much anxiety, and I, I can't tell you why. So so mm, I'm probably not going to be great in this episode. <laughs> Although <laughs> I can I can definitely kind of deconstruct what I think I do which prevents the anxiety which means you are going to be great in this episode there we go oh marvelous Very isn't good. that marvelous i mean when we think about the physical thing that happens yeah our, our brains are neuro neurons and synapses all you know it's like a data superhighway going on in our brain and it, it if you think about it there's all these electrical impulses and effectively if you imagine this to a computer all that supercomputer is doing is when you experience something, it, it's basically saying, have I experienced this feeling before? If it has, it will go and it'll say, well, when did I feel it? What was going on? And that brings a memory back. Um, so for some people, the anxiety comes because they've moved out of the present into what happened previously. And they're now yeah. applying that historical belief, that historical yeah. incident onto the present which may be a totally different situation or i and this is just my belief or they've gone to this what if mode and they're what if in till it comes out their bloody navel you know what if the sky turns pink for fuck i honestly believe that we can often when we come back to the present and we are physically present we can actually look with a lot better lenses if you like at what's going on but it all goes to pot when we start doing well this is what happened last time and what if this happens and what if that and I know that because that's where I used to go 
And I think that's probably why I, because I had so much adversity when I was a little girl, the, the, the worry thing I dealt with very young. And therefore, as I've grown up, because I, I dealt with worry or anxiety, I don't know how, I don't know, but it's historical. So therefore, I don't revert back to a historical thing. What I revert back to is you don't need to worry because look at that terrible thing that happened and look at that and you were fine. Does that make so? Yeah. It's, kind of, it's the same recipe, only mine tells me I don't need to be anxious or worry. Yeah, because what, what you're bringing back is yeah. how you got out of it and things went well. That's what we call framing. Yes. Yeah, yes. so we're framing the fact that actually we've been here before, we've felt like this before and we were okay, yeah? Yes. Not everybody has that frame and you no. can actually apply. Your brain will work if you give it a frame that somebody else has done it. So if you take the four-minute mile, for instance, which is not to do with anxiety but explains what's going on in the brain, it, 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 people had spent years and years trying to get this four-minute mile, Right. And then the minute Bannister did it, so many more athletes did it. Why? Because they now had that frame of reference that says, this person has done it. We know we can do it because somebody's done it. So sometimes if you don't have that frame of reference for yourself, who do you know that's overcome what you're going through? Because you can effectively quieten that ego that's going on in your mind, which is there to keep us safe. Yeah. But that ego needs, because it's looking for you to be safe, it needs certainty that you're okay. So you can often use somebody else's evidence that things will be okay as well. But that's going into a totally different toolkit that is much bigger, isn't one of the toolkits we're going to go into today. But sometimes if you are going through anxiety because something's not happening, you're worried that something's going to go wrong or something's going to, you know, not go the way you want it and you do not have your own experience of overcoming that in the past, then think to yourself, who else do I know that's overcome this? And have I got evidence that it can be overcome? That's a brilliant think, little tool, that one. Yeah, and, and I think the the first thing that we'd selected, which is, well, let's call it surrendering to your fear. Yeah. Favourite. I made friends with fear a long time ago. And it's one of the biggest gifts I think we can give to ourselves. Yeah. Now, we're obviously not talking like life-threatening stuff and extremities. We're talking about normal daily grind stuff. Yeah. We're talking about, we're talking about beliefs that very often we've inherited or um, a part of our community or our culture or, you know, like a very typical one for females is, a belief, a fear that when I walk into the boardroom, I'm going to be treated differently. And there, the, the experience often then presents facts. Yes. And that's, walk- yeah. And that's a really excellent example of how this little tool or this little method can be applied. So the surrender the fear method, uh, I'll give you a couple of examples. And we're going to use Dawn's. You know, let, let's say you're a female and this could be the case for some men as well. Maybe they're in a female dominated industry and they've got to walk into the boardroom as well. Yeah, it could possibly impact men as well. 
um, so you walk into the boardroom and what's going on in your mind is, I'm going to come across, I'm not going to do well. You're, you're talking yourself up to getting yourself more and more nervous because you're like, they're not going to listen to me. I'm going to cock it up. My presentation's not going to go well. So surrender the fear as a tool works like this. If you could let go of the fear that you're going to cock it up, you're not going to do so well, they're not going to listen to you. What would you do? It's as simple as that. If you let go of whatever it is that you're worrying about, what would you do? And so, yeah, and I had an, a funny enough, uh, um, a dear friend of mine. She's uh, going through a breakup with with a, a, a partner, and um, and actually, it's irrelevant what the details are. But I said to her, "Why are you still talking to him? Because they're still friends and they're nice people. They're nobody yeah. done anything." horrible to each other um but it's torture right because because when feelings are involved and I guess what it does is give you hope so I'm like mm, why don't we just not talk to him anymore for a while because it's torturing you and it's giving you hope and it's giving you you know and and I I, I could hear the terror down the vo- down the phone she never said a word I'm like does that terrify you and she's like mm, yeah and I'm like why just my fear is that if I stop talking to him, if there's a chance that we're going to get back together, that by not talking to him for a month might affect that. So I said exactly that to her. Let's have a bit of faith. Why don't we just have a bit of faith? Let the chips fall where they fall. What if not talking to him for a month makes him miss you and you miss him and like there's another side? What would you do if you weren't worried about not getting back together and she said well I wouldn't call him because it really upsets me every time we do and I'm like well there you go there's the answer um so so I love that and you can apply it to to, to anything really yeah you can I'll give you an example of why where I applied it which is when I first heard it actually I was setting up an event which meant I had to commit to paying a uh, an event location about six thousand pound Right. A decent, decent amount of money and it, there was that fear in the what if what if I what if I don't get enough people to go on it what if this so I was going into that what if mode and the person that introduced it to me said what would you do if you could let go of that fear that you wouldn't get enough people going to cover your costs and my answer was very simple well, I wouldn't give a shit. I'd just use it as a family weekend and have an amazing, wonderful memory. So that's exactly what I did is I went down a mode of it doesn't matter whether I get enough people interested in this or not, because I'm still going to use that venue. If I don't get enough to break even, I will use that venue, pay the money for the event and have a beautiful weekend with my family. Now, as it turned out, I picked a date where lots of people were going to be away. There was stuff going on. So literally about about three weeks before the event, I took the decision. I wasn't going to break even. I was going to end up having to pay out of my pocket for this event to run. So I took the decision. Well, if I'm going to pay out of my pocket, I might as well have a bloody great family weekend. And that's exactly what I did. So when we surrender to the fear, that doesn't mean we give in to the fear. It says we let go of the fear 
there you go. Then we can come up with a solution that's about what we want instead of what we're worrying about. And it is magical. So, so, you know, let's say you want to tell someone to bugger off, but you're too polite. Or let's say you want to leave your husband or, you know, so you, you've got you've got small things and you've got big things that you want to do and you're anxious over doing it. It's a perfect way to say, if I wasn't worried about the outcome, what would I do? And the answer would usually be what your guts have told you yeah. in the first place was to do whatever. If I'm, if I, if I wasn't worried about not getting that job, if I wasn't worried about not getting that promotion, if I wasn't worried about the economy, the, the you know the the cost of living crisis, would I buy such and such? If I wasn't worried about it, if I wasn't anxious about it, what would I do? And 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 very often. Um, if you can let go, which I love the way you've formulated that, if you can let go of that, face that fear, and then let let it go and do it anyway. I love the expression, let the chips fall. And and I'm I'm so confident to categorically advise that because I've done it thousands of times in my life. So I understand that it's, but that's my experience. So if you've got somebody there that, is always too afraid to just go fuck it i'm going to do it and let the chips fall where they fall i can i'm a, i'm a huge advocate of it it's never gone wrong now that doesn't mean to say you that doesn't mean to say you'll always get the outcome you want but do you know what you do do you want it yourself and you've been true to yourself yep. what you really wanted to do and this is what that little tip if you like does is it you know we're not saying that worry is going to go. What we're saying is let go of that worry for one second and ask yourself if that wasn't there, if I let go of that, if I surrender to that fear that's happening, what would I do? You are engaging a different part on your brain. So you're now engaging the part of the brain that's going to solve the issue. Whereas when we're in anxiety and worry, when we're in the space that created that problem in our mind in the first place, we can't solve it. So I love that as a tip, you know, surrender to the fear. What would you do if you let go for one second of that worry? What would you do? And you often come up with a brilliant solution for yourself. So let's go on to the next one then, Dawn. So, and this one's one of the ones that you came up with, which is routine and structure. Well, because... Because me personally, I might not need certainty, but when you observe human nature and people, I think the the need for certainty is huge. It's huge. So let's go with that then. Let's not try and ch- change it. Let's let's work with what we've got. And so if you had a presentation coming up or a conversation that you want to have or whatever it is if you were to create or, or let's go a little bit deeper than that just generally you're anxious about everything in life like you're anxious to buy a new food or go out the door or change your routine even for a second if you if you have preparation and give yourself as much certainty to set yourself up for the thing that you're trying to do so that might be i'm going to get up every day at the same time i'm going to 
do positive things that make my mind well and make me happy and fulfilled. So I might do some self-care in the morning and do some exercise and do some this and I'm going to eat a nice breakfast and I'm going to listen to something that uplifts me. So your structure and your routine is supporting, setting you up in the first place for a, a more balanced and positive environment and then you've got the brain so exactly what what you've said before you tap into other bits of your brain they kick in and actually if you need to be prepared you've got that brain space and that creativity to sit down with a clearer mind and prepare for whatever it is that you're going to deliver now you and I we literally get on before a podcast and decide what we're going to talk about two and a half minutes before you we, we do no preparation yeah. whatsoever. And Dawn never fact checks anything. I usually do it while we're on screen. But in terms of you bringing up before, you know, using the example of other people to give you some evidence that you can do that. And, the, and literally, listeners, we have never, ever, ever prepared, never prepared. Um it, and 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 it's okay. And the more it's a bit like a muscle, isn't it, Tracy? Yeah. The more you work it, the easier it becomes. So so I I think having a structure and giving yourself setting yourself up for routine and giving yourself the space for your mind to prepare yourself is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. There was one one thing I would say about that, though, is routine and structure can go for us and against us. Against us. So if we decide yeah. our routine is to stay in bed till 11 o'clock every day, that's still a routine, but it's not necessarily going to be a routine that serves you. So we right, want so routines and structure that puts us in that 10 out of 10 mind frame. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Love it. So next one on the list is what I've been practicing for a long time, and that's um, verifying the truth about what's going on. And what what I refer to this as is verification. So it's basically going through a verification process, um, which is something I learned probably five or six years ago now. And this is how it works. And we'll take the one about going into the boardroom or into a presentation, Dawn, because I think it's a great one to take through us on all the themes. So if you're getting worried and you're panicking and you get anxious because tomorrow you've got to present to the board and you're getting all hitsy-fissy about it, you know, what if I go wrong? What if my shoe breaks? All this lot. You've got all sorts of stuff coming about. What if everybody laughs at me? What if uh, nobody likes my presentation? Uh, what if I should have done 40 minutes and I've only got 20 minutes? So all these questions are going on in your brain and you're getting more and more anxious about whatever it is the event is. So the verification process works like this. You go through each of those things your brain is telling you. What if everybody laughs at me? Well, first of all, that we, we go through each one and we say, is it true? Is it false? Or don't we know? Well, there's two things wrong with that statement. First of all, it's a future statement. What if everybody laughs at me? That's in the future. So we do not know whether that's true or not. So by default, that's an I don't know. I don't know if people are going to laugh at me. What is also right to say about that statement is everybody 
even if that was, you know, everybody thinks I'm useless, that's not a true statement because unless you've asked all the billions of people in the world what they think of you, everybody thinking you're useless is a false statement. So this process is about going through what your mind's telling you and processing and finding the ones that are true. Now, anything that is a feeling is by default true because it's your feeling, but we often get mixed up between feelings and beliefs. So saying I feel silly, that's not a feeling. That's a you believe you might look silly. However, if we're honest and say, I feel nervous, that's a true statement. So anything you feel is by default true because you're feeling it. But all the beliefs that everybody's going to hate you, nobody likes what you're going to do, they're either false or I don't know because of the fact that you're generalising that statement to apply to everybody. But if you were to dig deep on that, so uh, are you feeling nervous? Yes, and that's true. Mm -hmm. The next question I would ask is, what are you nervous about? And then a lot of those will be beliefs. Yeah, um, so, so, so this was, this is, I literally wrote my book and it's probably very fitting for this. It's about self-validation. And, and what I did was not use any structure whatsoever at all to literally see what happened if I made it up as I went along and then I went and agreed to a five-year slot on a stage to to talk about my book, which now I've got to write one a year, right? Really, in theory, uh, I think I was on chapter two when I did that, and and there was there have been a minute a minute here, and then I've and I've kind of gone, oh fuck! It sounded like a great idea at the time. <laughs> what the hell? Now I'm not anxious but I'm aware that I can't blag this one. It's a bit more than, than a blaggable. It's not blaggable. So I will create some routine and, and, and carve out a space for me to prepare to speak on a stage. But the book, Tracy, I didn't know what the next chapter was until I'd finished the first one. And I deliberately, just to, tote, to pressure test myself, as an example, that it's doable, I deliberately put it out there on social media. I'm writing a book. I've just finished chapter 10. I've just finished this. I finished it. And I've done that on purpose, so I can't bottle it. Um, I, well, I can't bottle it now anyway because I was too far in and I'd already yeah. jumped in full, full feet forward. But I'm going to talk about it in the book a little bit, which is where, you know, is it true that I'm – not an established author, nor do I have any qualify, you know, qualifications on mindset or or even writing a fucking book. No, I don't. So that's true. Um, but the next sentence is, and I can't remember to quote them properly, but it goes something like, just because we're ordinary, does it mean our voices are any less credible? No, it doesn't. And, and this so is where it comes from. Through that exact process, I know that I wasn't anxious about it. Actually, I thought it was quite funny that I was, oh, let's just do this and see what happens. Interestingly, even though there wasn't anxiety attached to it, 
it clearly that process that you were talking about with the very five beliefs, I still went through that contemplation to to as a, to to exemplify that it's it's okay to have fun with these things. Yeah, and it's and and sometimes we will do this subconsciously. This is a technique where we're doing it consciously. We're running yeah. a process that goes through all the things our, our inner voice is telling us. You know, sometimes we'll have that inner voice saying, "I'm a bad person." Yeah, that's who's the who's the fucking police on what's right and what's wrong and what's bad and what's good. So bad is a judgment. Yeah. So by default. Unless you somewhere are the creator of what the scale of bad and good is, how can you say that's a true statement? What we do is we then flick that into a true statement. I can sometimes do things I believe are bad. Now it's a true statement. Yeah. So this works with everything that's going on in your head. It's kind of a 360 thing. When we went to the first one about surrendering to the fear and accepting, I think I'd said something on the lines of making friends with fear, but also I think what lends to this is making friends with yourself. So if somebody isn't aesthetically pleasing genuinely, they've not got a great face. They just haven't. Because some, some of us haven't. So in modern society, we would call that ugly. So, so you might say, I am actually quite ugly. But then I'd go back to who are the bloody police that judge what is ugly and what is beautiful? But is it, does that make you less worthy as a human being? No. Equally, I'm not clever. And some people generally are. Well, we do have some core... Yeah, we do have some core worries. I'm not good enough. I'm not clever. I'm not loved. I'm not lovable. All of those are statements that will often come up for many people. And again, you go back down the route of is that a true statement or not? Because that's what that method's about. It's about verifying what your inner voice is telling you and you work from the truth. We don't work on the falsehoods. We work from the truth. Where the truth is, let's say you've got somebody who is, uh, they're ugly and they're not clever. Let's, you know, let's, let's go with that. And they said to themselves, I'm not lovable because I'm not very clever. I'm not very hot. uh, And so I'm not lovable. So where the true statement comes is when we have a look at everybody in this world are there any other people who aren't very clever or aren't very good looking who have found someone to love them well you see again you don't even need to look for a framework for that one because if you join that statement together i'm not lovable because i'm not clever that's false that's a judgment and it's false because you can turn that around and say i don't i don't believe i'm as clever as other people the end of the day, it doesn't matter how smart, how high or low on the intelligence scale you are, being lovable and being intelligent, they're not always on a scale that's m- mutual. 
they are actually mutually exclusive. You can be as thick as pig shit and be loved by everybody and you can be the most intelligent person in the world and feel like you're not loved. So they're mutually exclusive. Exactly. <laughs> but it's a but, co- it, but it's a cool uh, one and it's yeah, a clever it's, it's a clever method. And 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 I think if we can if we can advocate loving ourselves warts and all and when we get those when we start arguing for our limitations, ask whether it's true or not. Yeah. Face the fear of that. Let the chips fall. If you need to do some routine stuff and get prepared, then please do. Verify the beliefs. Um, the other thing about the verification is those of us that might say, oh, it might go wrong and I might fail and I might get laughed at. The, if we're going to go down that road, okay, let's go down that road, but you've got to include it all. You've got to be truthful. It might also be the most phenomenal success you've ever had in your life. Yep. You might actually get that promotion and more. You might end up being the most respected person in the room, but you have to respect yourself enough first. And again, but, what would you do if you let go of those yeah, things? But that brings us to our last one, which you've just neatly tied in, which is brilliant. And that is, you know, sometimes we're getting anxious and it's it's about something, you know, like this, going and doing a presentation or you're getting anxious. Um, I don't know, maybe you're used to having 10,000 in your savings account and you've now only got five. Believe it or not, Dawn, that will make some people anxious. Um, ask yourself, well, what if it goes well? And this method is what's known as possibility thinking. So I we love a possibility. Yeah, I, actually, I am a possibilitarian. Oh, cool! Is that even a real word? I don't. Know. I don't is think it is, Dawn. No, I don't know. I'm not so. fact checking that one. <laughs> it should be a real word, shouldn't it? So this is all about, you know, our, we often, especially when we're feeling anxious. We, I think as humans, we tend to look at the worst case scenario and we rarely go to the best case. You know, what if this presentation goes so brilliantly that they want you on stage in front of a thousand people? What if this presentation goes so great you get the promotion you're looking for? What if this presentation is so brilliant that you get the client who you're going to meet onto your books with the biggest contract you've ever had in your career or your business? This is what we call possibility thinking. Look at all the possibilities, not just the bad just ones, bring one. in the good ones as well. Because sometimes what we need in life is a balance. And if all we've got is loads of shit stuff weighing us down, then what if we use possibility thinking to put some of the great stuff to bring that back in balance again? And I think how I'd like to finalise that is how shit do you feel when you talk yourself out of doing what you want? And is it possible that the regret that you're stacking up is worse than the discomfort of perhaps uh, managing your, your anxiety? Yeah. And here's a brilliant one. The four we've picked today, we could link them together. So I think this is a great way to end this week's podcast. And it's this. You might be feeling anxious, 
But if you actually go into your brain and say, what is it I'm telling myself and which one of those things is true, which ones are false and which are things I don't know because they haven't happened yet. You could then go into a routine and say, "Okay, what routine can I use to actually give myself a better feeling about what's going on? Then you could say, what if I actually let go of the fear? What would I do anyway? And that question by default brings you into the final one, which is the possibility thinking of what if this went well? Well, Isn't it cool how you can link all these together? And if all else fails, I've got a sentence for everything. So just get in touch. Yeah. So there you go. Some little tips. Um, I've got the sentences and then Tracy's got the, 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 the formula behind it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm great at framework and formula, right. but there you go. Um, Can I, before we round off on yeah. this, if you were to compare yourself specifically to do with anxiety to 20 years ago or 30 years ago, where, how... How much different is your life? How much difference did it make to your life uh, mindfully, intentionally overcoming and managing anxiety? Oh, I, I didn't know how to overcome and manage it 30 years ago, Dawn. I, I've now learned in the last seven to 10 years, I've learned ways to manage that anxiety we we live in a world that is created in our own minds but what i want to know is how valuable is it to manage anxiety and how much difference has it made to oh, massive. it is so valuable At the end of the day the anxiety that i feel has not changed yeah, because some of us are wired in a way that we get anxious yeah. about lots yeah. of things. Some of us have got balls of steel and don't get anxious about anything. I don't believe my anxiety has changed. I think I get anxious at similar things. I think I get anxious at the same level. I think the difference is, is I now notice it when it happens, which I never used to realise I was anxious. And... I have tools to help me manage that anxiety so that the anxiety doesn't dawdle around and hang over me like a dark rain cloud for as long as it used to. That doesn't mean I don't get anxious. I believe we all do, even the ones that feel that we don't. I think you do. Of course. So, yeah, I think anxiety doesn't last as long. I notice it quicker. I have more tools in my kit bag to manage it. And because I have more tools to manage it, it is less debilitating than it was 30 years ago. So you've made lots of decisions that you maybe wouldn't have you have made. Uh, a lot. You've made lots of positive decisions mm-hmm. that you perhaps wouldn't have made had you. And so the overall impact on your confidence and on how fulfilled you are are you more fulfilled in managing your anxiety than what you were when you weren't? Absolutely. And I think the other difference it's made, I will now bring what I've learned to help other people. And there is something so fulfilling about not just using these tools to help yourself, but there's an element of magic for me anyway, because I believe I was put on this earth to help people. But there's an element of magic when you can be that guiding light for others to help them overcome it. And I'm not saying this in a sort of 
professional capacity. I am not a therapist. Um, it's just, you know, day to day working with clients, working with people I know, just being with people I know and being able to add what I believe is an amazing insight into how we can manage anxiety in the mind. I just think that's spectacular. I do too. (laughs) And on that note, remember, do get in touch with us. We've got our Instagram account up and running. Uh, It's Real Women Podcast on Instagram or email us at info at realwomenpodcast.co.uk. Let us know what you think. Let us know your thoughts. We'd love to hear them. And on that note, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. If you've enjoyed our conversation today, please subscribe and download the podcast. To share your thoughts on this episode or to suggest future topics, connect with us on Instagram at Real Women Podcast. And thank you for listening. Listening.